Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Okay, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, Bet Online, our exclusive wagering partner. Bet Online, of course, where you get all your action on NFL football, NBA basketball, and Bet Online AG is the place you want to go. More options to wager than anywhere else online. So, online today, take advantage of all the great midseason bonuses, offers, and contests. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Use the code CLNS50 when you go to betonline.ag. Once again, betonline.ag, code CLNS50 to get you 50% off your initial deposit. Hey, welcome in. Celtics, Timberwolves, Game 71. We're almost to Tuesday. <laughs> Different looking cast here with Nick Gelso, smoke blowing in his face. <laughs> That's the Blakely. rage, Bobby. That's the rage. <laughs> You're steaming exactly. even on a win. Yeah, even believe, on a win. Can Julie. you believe the Celtics blew up the Timberwolves today? I was watching on the go. I came back and watched the second half here on the in the house and I just couldn't believe as the lead got bigger and bigger, all, as many as 21 in this one, the Timberwolves never made that rally. Yeah. The young guys and Tatum and Fournier just took it to Minnesota. I know Sherrod's been down on Minnesota all year. He hates that team, so it probably wasn't a surprise to him. But he no. likes Cat. It he was Cat. Here's the thing. I don't hate the team. I just hate the way that You called them a G League team, Sherrod. <laughs> they are. That doesn't mean I hate them, and that doesn't mean I'm wrong. I mean, when you, have, when you play as pathetic as they do, I think you've earned the moniker of being referred to as a G League team. That doesn't mean I hate them. I love Anthony Edwards. Cat, I think, is just kind of coasting. I mean, I think he can get you 20 and 10 without batting an eyelash. And D'Angelo is just a shot chucker. I'm sorry. I can do without him. Yeah. Um, but Carl Anthony Towns, he's, I mean, he's got some feist to him or something. I, I just well, want tonight. No, I want him to go but, somewhere. I want Cat yeah. to go somewhere and start over because I, I think he's a good player. I just don't think he's motivated so, and engaged to be an amazingly awesome player, which I think is talent frankly is aligned with and anthony edwards i love him well, i love oh, him. Yeah. he's he's good he's yeah. good in fact i i just wrote about him in uh bleach report this week and again just talking with different scouts about him and just how he has frankly um he's given that franchise hope that if they move on from cat they've got a very clear and undeniable face of the franchise type player that they can lean on and they can frankly be that guy. And if you watch him play, like Neesmith is a great energy, great hustle guy. He had nothing for Anthony. I mean, Anthony yeah. got wherever he wanted to, when he wanted to, and there was nothing that Neesmith or any of the other Celtics could do. I didn't think Anthony was all that engaged in this game either, and he still had a, a pretty pretty good performance. And he did enough things to remind us just how special a player he is. And he should be the rookie of the year. Um, mm. in my I was going to ask, yeah. 
Lamelo's the favorite right now. I think he's missed too many games. Yeah, uh, I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, it's not about his ability because if if both of those guys played the same amount of games this year, then I would lean towards Lamelo. But he missed a significant portion of the season, and to me, both of them play on teams that aren't very good. So I can't use the whole success ratio to justify one guy over the other. Charlotte's a little bit better situation than Minnesota, obviously, but it's not like Minnesota is the worst team and Charlotte is like top four, top five. Right. Charlotte is barely in the whole postseason conversation as either maybe the eighth, maybe the ninth seed, depending on what happens, you know, in their last game. But uh, Minnesota, this was a this for the Celtics. This was a a much needed victory. Uh, it showed what they could do when they laid a hammer down on bad teams. But the problem with that is, I'm not sold that the teams that they will see in the first in the playing game are bad. Washington, I think, is bad just because they don't have Bill. Charlotte, they won't have Gordon Hayward, but I still think they got enough pieces to give the Celtics a legitimate threat. Um, the one thing I wanted to ask you guys was seeing Tatum out there today. Were you guys cool with that? No. <laughs> I don't, I I don't get it. When you saw the ankle impingement, that one appear on the injury list again, I thought he was going to be out. But he went ahead and played, and I was, I was almost preparing myself for that too earlier in the day because he's chasing that all-NBA. He's doing whatever that, he can. And that's, what drives me, that's what drives me crazy. But it's 30 I don't million, care Nick. about the money. I don't care about it's the 30 money. 30 million. Dude, I get it. But you still – you play every game, right? And then you make the 30 million. But you're not going to play – he's not all of a sudden going to get all NBA because he, he played today. If anything, I don't give it to him because he played today. I'd be like, this guy's patent stat. Like, it's like Devin Booker 70. The voters huh? are going to remember this one, 26 and 11 against Minnesota. No one's even watching this. <laughs> right. that, and, that, and, that was, and that was my my issue. It, you are going to put up numbers against a bad team. Yeah. That's not going to get it done. You've got to do what guys like Julius Randle is doing and put up big numbers and big games to give your team a little bit more of a cushion from a playoff standpoint. To me, I, I think that's – when you look at the all-NBA teams, I think that for that last spot, you're going to see guys like Tatum – Julius Randle, I think, are going to be two of the guys that are going to be vying for one of those last spots. Uh, and I think a strong case can be made for Julius Randle based upon yeah. his team success, based upon the role that he plays and his team success, and based upon what he's been able to do. Now, Tatum can certainly impact that narrative in the final game because I do believe he will play. Um, I wouldn't play him, but I, I, my, my gut tells me he's going to convince Brad to let him play. Whether it's going to be 26 minutes like it was today, that remains to be seen. But I do believe he'll be out there. It, I don't think he's going to be out there tomorrow. I hope not. You have to rest. <laughs> you can't play a back-to-back two days before you're playing a winner go home. Well, oh, yes, he can. He's going to play in the Olympics. He played in the All-Star game, and he's tired. No, but we're talking about three games in I know. four days at this point. So I think at that point, the medical staff's got to come in and be like, nope. But um, when it comes to that All-NBA race, that first team's a lock. It's Jokic. It's Embiid. I don't know how you feel about that, Nick, that they're going to put two centers on that all-NBA first If you're going to do it, this is the year to do it. Giannis, yeah. Yeah. Luka, and Steph Curry on that first team. Second team, you're probably looking at Beal, maybe, as, as the near-scoring champion. Uh, you know, Randall's probably on that third-team shred. So he's definitely far from a lock at this point on – this list, you're looking at Lillard, you're looking at Chris Paul, you're looking at Kawhi. 
This list Don't actually has Tatum second George. team. You know, Paul George is going to be in that conversation too. And we didn't even mention this guy named LeBron James. Yeah, what about him? Or this other guy named Anthony Davis. <laughs> they don't I deserve mean, it. Well, I, I agree. I, I agree they don't deserve it. But let's be honest. I mean, would you be shocked if, if LeBron is like second or third team? I wouldn't. Then you got Zion in there too. Z Ooh, right. It's gonna, Zion, it's be tight. A, he's an easier one to kind of push off to the side because his team, they they suck. And their, their talent does not – Align with the with the team. They should be better than they are. I know they've had issues and they've had injuries, but they, they should be better. Tatum is going to have a hard time making that third All NBA team. It's going to be tight. See on this list, I'm looking at. I don't see George, and I would vote George. I think George has been one of the best. The very excuse me. The very fact that fans or media are questioning Tatum playing today to get on first team or All NBA is so indicative of the selfishness on this team. I don't blame them. I want thirty million too. But, like, when you go to the All-Star game and, like, that's meaningless and you're going to go to the Olympics, and I hate to even say that because you're playing for your country. Like, come on, dude. All you did all year was say how tired you are. Like, come on. Really? He was just on, he was just on the there Woj's podcast yesterday. Why is he even going on Woj's podcast? Say, what did you say, Shred? I said, it's amazing how energized 30 million can make you. I, I, well, I would be very fired up. If there was thirty million on the table that required me to do what I am being sure, right. wouldn't you have been fired up all season? Like if you were going to be all NBA, it would have already been in the bag by now on a playing team. The last game of the second to last game of the season against a shit ass Wolves team right before the playoffs. Would you I play? I mean, yeah, I would approach the season the way Jalen Brown did. I mean, Jalen Brown got, go. his, got his bag, and he went out and and justify why he got his bag that's yep. how i would do it he, he hit that games allotment. <laughs> he hit that games allotment they asked danny on the radio yesterday couldn't you just give it to him and ange was like no he can't <laughs> maybe the south right, i just... take it back i'd renege on that contract and get sued <laughs> wow <laughs> like you don't deserve it man first Nick's first Nick's pushing for more owner power and now he's pushing for uh <laughs> No. Contract. contract. All I'm pushing for is even breaking the contract. Power. Not more. Not owners having more. Not players having. Well, now more. you're pushing to break the contract, Nick. Come on. Um, come on, dude. It's like putting like it's like putting like I I don't know like uh, who's a who's a player on a suck ass team that could have been all NBA. I mean, this team's exactly. just really disappointed. There. Okay. All right. So there you go. Right. And I mean, right. Nikola Vucevic as well. Vucevic. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, so, so that's what helped Tatum. I mean, the Celtics weren't great this year. They really weren't even good, but they're going to be in the playoffs now, which gets you something in terms of that All NBA race. I just, you're right, you're right. LeBron's going to be on there, and Davis is going to be on there just because of status. And this is the yeah. tricky thing about All NBA too: is you have these media members who I don't want to say they're beholden to LeBron, but if you have a mass. I'll say it, they're beholden to LeBron. If you <laughs> listen, Bobby. There are when media members who are beholden to LeBron. Yes. They ignore Which is a big what problem. we have seen. It's a huge problem. We They Surat. ignore what we have seen all season long. And Think that is that. LeBron missing significant time to the point where you're going to – it's crazy because they will use the argument to not vote for LaMelo Ball because he hasn't played enough games. And it will be completely oblivious to them that the same rule should apply to LeBron James well, in all NBA. Too. And beat in that MVP right. race. He's pretty much only eliminated because of his games played. So – right. Without, you got to be consistent without, across the board. Without throwing anybody under the bus, and I won't do it by name, 
I'll just say the entire Cleveland media as a whole. Sherrod, you were there. His last game, they gave him a standing fucking ovation. I mean, they like it was. Oh, did that really happen? I've heard you yes. say that, and I still can't. Yes, yeah. I, got caught, I mean, Arcand would must have tried to get you, Sherrod. Must have tried to get everybody in the media. He called me, Christian Arcand, because I tweeted it, and I had to give the whole story again. He must have tried to get it. I had to be his last choice. You know what I'm saying? He called me to get on the radio with him because it was so wackadoo. Like I could was, see if he if he was retiring, maybe, but like he was leaving, screwing them over. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, standing you, ovation in the press box. I like it was I just applause. Can't even yeah. that. <laughs> it the was, sound it was, was really loud. Did he just? Did we just see that? I think NBA TV picked it up. It was crazy. We were, yeah, it was just like, did that really just happen? Did that really did. just happen? Um, like I, I, I don't know. He's a no great idea. player. No, there's no doubt about that. But the the adulation and admiration gets a bit over the top. And when it comes to accolades, um, if there ever was a year for those who are anti-LeBron to have some ground to stand on, it's this year. Mm-hmm. He was great when he was healthy, but that's the problem. Mm-hmm. He wasn't healthy enough. And when he came back, he had to go back on the bench because he wasn't able to physically – go through what he needed to yep. do in order to be great. Now, Is, that has put the clip the Lakers in a position where they're, they're going to have the hardest road. Isn't that something? Team. The Celtics yeah. and Lakers. Both we were you know there's a long shot that they could potentially meet in the finals. <laughs> they may not even make it to the damn playoffs. They not they even make it to the playoffs. playoffs. The other LeBron moment of no taking the 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 decision out of it. You were there, Sherrod, I'm sure you were there in 2010, right? That was your first year, no? Yeah. 10? Uh, yeah. Uh, the game game six against Cleveland, like the Celtics had no business going on that run to the finals that year. Remember, they were barely right. 500 at the end of the season. Yeah. LeBron had the le- elbow, remember? The, the crowd was chanting, MSG. Remember, they were all yeah. thinking he was going to the Knicks. He was going to Miami right. the whole time. That was probably, I think that was LeBron's on the court lowest moment because he pretty much threw in the towel that game, that series. I mean, by the time game six or seven rolled around, that was six, I think. They didn't have home court advantage. He he just barely showed up. He was bricking yeah. free throws and the garden got to him. Yeah, I mean, they, he, he clearly just, this is not our season, guys, and I'm not going to fight it. I'm mm-hmm. not going to resist. I, I feel the winds of change coming. And I'm just gonna roll with them. I'm not trying to push against that. And, and you don't, you don't. I think that was premeditated. I mean, why else did he change his jersey number? Yeah. Well, the, wait, wait. The best one, Sherrod. I can't wear number uh, 23. The, uh, the whole league should retire it. Well, Miami did. Then he puts on six. He wears Bill Russell and Dr. J's jersey number, but he can't wear Jordan's. Right? I mean, come on, come on, LeBron. I like LeBron as he's gotten older. I think he's mellowed a lot. And I like he's, what he does off the court. Yeah, I mean, he's he's great off the court. But I'll be honest with you. I feel like we've talked about LeBron way too much. Really? I hate I'm talking about LeBron. Yeah, I can see I it hate. all over your face. But I've also I, never heard you say you don't you, – you think he gets over – a little bit over – Like in general or on, this, on the Celtics post game show here? <laughs> What's we usually talk about Rob Williams on here. Yeah, <laughs> I thought we'd be talking about Luke Cornett. I, All I, right, that's let's I, talk about Cornett. So <laughs> Luke Cornett, while we're still on the topic of this game here, comes Look out and Bobby just again. perk up. 
Damn, look at that. Bobby was mentioned on radio today. Max was going crazy for Bobby because, you know, he was Cornette had a good game. Four more blocks, 11 blocks in the last six games. Every time he's out there, he plays well. And this it's pretty much just what I've been saying all season, Sherrod. I'm not saying he's an option in the front court. I'm not saying he's an impact player here. But if you're looking at your third string center spot for next year, and as to come down to Grant Williams, 6-6 on a good day, undersized, not the best shot in the world, hasn't impacted the team or really improved all that much this year at all. Or Luke Cornett, over seven feet, great length, shot blocker. Shot comes and goes, probably about the same as Grant, and a great decision maker in the high post with the ball. If you have to choose between those two coming in the next year, I said this yesterday, I might eat that one, two million on Grant and go with Cornette for about the same price. Well, that and that to me is, is part of the, the conversation is the price tag. Um, are you getting enough bang for your buck from – you know, Grant and Cornette. And the one thing he does, and, and, and we, we've seen this, is he, he really does help space the floor because when he's on the floor, you have to account for the fact that he can knock down threes. And that does, if you've got guys who can attack the rim and, and, and look to get in the paint, Cornette can be that, that kind of unspoken assist guy helping you do that. But to me, guys like Luke Cornette, you gotta, you gotta, parcel them out a little bit here a little bit there like when we talk about grant williams we don't like grant playing more than like 10 15 minutes luke is kind of in that same boat if i'm if he's giving me like five ten minutes that's pretty much as good as it's going to get uh from him if i'm trying to get more than that out of him we're we're doomed we're going to suck <laughs> things are not going to go well well they're going to go downhill like- real quick would you like him as your insurance option at center? Rob goes down next year. Thompson misses a few games. Do you like him stepping into that backup role in that situation? As my third guy, yeah, I do. I do. Because th- to me, when you are that far down the bench, you better do one thing exceptionally well. There has to be something about you that if you can play up to whatever your strength is, you can really help our team. And with him, it's knocking down threes. Seven footers with this seven kind of feet too. You can list are, off a couple shot blocking. There's a handful of attributes there that you like. Yeah, but it's the it's the shooting that is really his kind of bread and butter. Those other things are nice little add-ons and, and things that can augment his game. But the shooting is what really, frankly, that's why he's in the NBA. Uh, if you took that out of the pack, you you can take some of those other things and downgrade them, and he'd still be an NBA player because of his shot making. You take away the shot, the ability to make shots. He's not even he's not even at the end of your bench. He's, you know, in some country that I can't pronounce that has about seven or eight syllables to it, making probably a fraction of what he's making now. So we're going to keep we're going to keep Luke in the U.S., in the NBA. And is he moving in with you, Bobby? Is he going to be your roommate now? You move. I heard you're moving to the city with Cornette. That is. Bobby, why don't you just bring the whole Cornette family? All of them. Yes, I agree. Bring bring his sister, his mom, right? His mom has been tweeting. She's in the business. She's a journalist. She's a journalist. She is a news media person, I think. The real news, not us. Absolutely. Exactly. That that real stuff. I have to say, uh, Bobby, you were right about Cornette. It's just that, like, I, I Whoa, never is heard an apology. Is this an apology cam moment? Go ahead. I don't care. I'll apology cam for Cornette. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, I never heard of him. 
I, I couldn't even spell his name to look up highlights on on uh, YouTube. <laughs> what else can I apologize for picking on Bobby all season? I apologize for that, but mainly Cornette. You were right there, Bobby. I'll give it to you. There's your apology. I'm sorry. There we go. You've only been on a handful of shows all year, and you've done twice. Yeah, but I've done it all in the chat, bro. I've trolled you all season in the chat room, Bobby. Well, I'm just saying, your willingness to use the apology cam is so impressive because John's not going to do it. John has never apologized in his life for anything. (laughs) Do you really think John went this whole season, and we know it's no, but I just want to answer the question. Has John gone the entire season not saying anything wrong? In John's mind or in yeah. real life? In real life, in reality. <laughs> in real life, no. He said, uh, John's biggest um, wrong is when he disagrees with you, but then in the same sentence says it differently and makes it his. <laughs> that is a John Zanis 101. And he does this to me on the reg. Like, I, I'll be like, wait a minute. No, I said that. No, you didn't. I did. No, I said that. Right? <laughs> John, he's with those repurposed points. He's Hit brilliant. With the repurposed points. Yep. I'm going to take just, your point, repackage it, put it in a different box. Ta da! It's something. It's, it's John Zanis's now. <laughs> wow. He'll never give you an apology, Cam, though, because, you know, the next game you can take it back. You want to take it back sometimes. Like Cornette may. Well, be the Kemba one, the Kemba one with him is really. He owes it. to do it. Yeah, he owes it big time. Because him and Jimmy were together. They were saying. Oh, they always are. Come Shuan, back. Were they like that at NBC? Both teams they, play hand, hard. Hand in hand. To make mislead. Best version of yourself. Be the best version of yourself. Both teams play hard, my man. Both teams play hard. Oh, God bless them. You know, this the Jimmy John pod. Yeah, the yeah. Jimmy John pod's coming. Uh, let's get on to the game that's going to happen tomorrow. So the Pacers lost today. If you're watching scores around the NBA, the Hornets lost to the Knicks. So that sets up a tie between the all three teams actually right now. Um, but Indiana doesn't have the tiebreaker, so they're eliminated for eight. Wizards and Hornets play tomorrow in a game that's going to decide who's coming to Boston. So – I'll ask Sherrod, who do you want to see for excitement purposes? And who do you want to see when it comes to Boston's best chance of moving on to that first round out of these two teams? Well, for excitement, it, it's definitely Charlotte. Uh, LaMelo is a dynamic player. CNT Rose in a postseason opponent uh, position. I'm curious to see what that looks like. And Charlotte, even though they've got a couple of, they got a few guys, you know, banged up, I just think that they're, they're one of those teams that's just not going to go away. Uh, the Celtics are going to have to beat them. Charlotte is not going to necessarily beat themselves uh, at this point in the season. So that's the one from an excitement standpoint I want to see. But as far as winning, oh, it's got to be the Wizards. I mean, I know they got some W's now, and so people want to call them the Wizards. I still feel that they're the Wizards if you don't have Bradley Beal. You're not going to beat the Boston Celtics without Bradley Beal. I know Russell is having another otherworldly type of run of late uh, with those double-doubles, high double-doubles. I think he's had like seven straight games with 15 or more assists, something like that, which I don't think it's, – it's been a, since John Stockton, I think, was the last one that did that. So you're talking about the shorty short short era, the last time somebody was balling like that. But I just – I can't I've, – I've seen Washington play a couple of times, and Russ is, is putting that team on his back. I just don't think that the Celtics, with which should be arrested Tatum, which should be arrested Marcus Smart. Maybe he'll get a little bit out of time, Lord. And the way that Fournier is playing now, 
I just think the Celtics have too many weapons that Washington can't, frankly, cover. You aren't scared uh, of I, Russell Westbrook? I'm not. A, I'm not afraid of Russell Westbrook. No, me either. Russell, because here's the thing about you look at the his career trajectory. He's put up big numbers pretty much every year he's been in the league, and yet in the biggest moments, he's not that guy. He's not yeah. that guy that puts the team on his back and carries in the victory because what he's doing in the regular season of late is, is great. And he definitely deserves credit and props for that. But in the postseason, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm keeping my chips in my pocket. If you ask me to put them on brush. They have won 16 of 21. They have to be the yeah, hottest team in the NBA. Uh, this, but is Beale, gonna, this is going to sound like an ox, oxymoron, excuse me, but I think – Russell Westbrook is 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 one of the best assist men in NBA history, but he does somehow doesn't make his teammates better. Like I mean, he's just see, I disagree. He doesn't prop them Especially up. I mean, he year. may make them better on the court facilitating because he's averaging triple doubles, but something yeah. in the back of the house is like never. It always seems disconnected with him. Well, what worries me about him is crunch time because he wants to take that shot, and we know he is not. Mm even a good shooter at this point in his career. I mean, teams want him to take that big three, that big pull-up jumper down the stretch. And if he's on the same team as Durant and now he's on the same team as Bradley Beal, sometimes it's in his hand instead of that other guy's shot who's the real deal closer, scorer, shooter in that situation. I'm, I'm looking forward to the Wizards here too, and I think Westbrook will probably go out and just rip this game out of Charlotte's hands and get uh, Washington into that eight-seed game. So that's what I'm expecting. And we saw a great – duel between Bradley Beal, between Jason Tatum at the Garden earlier this year. Obviously, you guys watched the matinee disaster between these two teams. And then Taco Fall beat them in the first game. So Washington's changed quite a bit even since that most recent game. But I do think when it comes to their awful defense and when it comes to uh, what Tatum's going to be able to do against their perimeter players, that's who you probably want to see here. You worry about Charlotte just because of how that last game looked between them and the fact that LaMelo Ball is coming back, who Boston hasn't seen yet this year, and obviously could carve up their defense quite a bit with his passing. Yeah, yeah, and and that's – LaMelo makes me nervous because, again, I, he he has the ability to impact the game without making a single shot. His yep. strength is getting other guys the ball. And you're talking about playing a Celtics team that defensively has been bad this year. I mean, mm -hmm. right before coming into this this, uh, this game today, they were ranked 18th in defensive rating. That's the lowest they had. If the season ended at that point, that would be the lowest defensive rating they've had under Brad Stevens. Uh, so this is for Celtics, for Stevens coach teams, this has been unprecedented in how crappy they have been at that end of the floor. And when you're playing a team – who arguably one of their best players, his his strength is getting the ball to guys who can make shots and your defense is bad, that's a bad cocktail. That's a bad cocktail. If you're the So this is himself. interesting. I, I said all last week and Nick agreed with me he wasn't on the show, but I guarantee that the Celtics are gonna get into the playoffs and get through this playing tournament. The I, odds, I agree. Go ahead, Bobby. The, it's the, your the odds are saying the, for if if you think that Boston is not going to make the playoffs, you can get plus four hundred odds on it. Which betonline.ag, which which would tend to say that the odds makers think that Boston is a lock to get into the playoffs. Now the Lakers are a much stronger lock. I think theirs was minus eight thousand to get in or something ridiculous like that. <laughs> but but the Celtics. What would you win if they like? I don't, get, I don't know how get to get a quarter. Sports. You'd probably you'd probably bet two hundred bucks and get a quarterback. 
I actually have to pull that up. I don't think it was that dramatic, but it was dramatic. Um, so the odds makers think the Celtics and Lakers are getting in. They get two shots, and uh, you know they aren't playing the best competition in the world here. They they should get in. I mean, there's there's no doubt if you're if someone puts a gun to your head and say you got to pick what's going to happen, then yeah, you you should pick them to get in. But you're doing that based in large part on frankly their history. The fact that you the idea of LeBron coming back, even if he's not 100%, should be enough for them to get into the playoffs. The fact that you, you're going to have a most likely a, a rested Justin Tatum, you're going to get Marcus Smart back, who should be a little bit, you know, rested Rob Williams. You hopefully a couple more days will allow that that turf toe to feel a little bit better, so you can get a little bit something out of him. And Fournier, who we talked about before, Kimball Walker is play. There are so many positives that you sense the Celtics can benefit yes. from, but there's that part of your brain that's like, but damn. All Haven't year we thought it before. <laughs> yeah. Haven't we seen a lot of these these trends before, and then they go out there and they get their asses kicked by a team that you know, I know, and they know they're better than. Yep. That still doesn't stop it from happening. So here, so I, I think there's there's guarded optimism that the Celtics can get can put it together I, and get. In the I was gonna ask you guys, like, okay, so if the Celtics went, they get in the playoffs. Are all bets off? Are we back at – is it 0-0? Zero, zero? Do we start from scratch with no, like – No, because Brown's out. <laughs> That's – yeah. Yeah. But you weren't that way when Hayward was out, but yet you put Hayward as the missing piece this well, season. Hayward's, well, now Hayward's out and Brown's right. out. So, which, and Hayward would be out. Please with Hayward. Please. God, and, please stop. And you're playing the Nets or the 76ers, which is a daunting task. Uh, what would you rather? I mean, time. obviously the Sixers you'd rather because we the Celtics have had their number over the years. There, there's some headspace issues with the Sixers that yeah. they have with the Celtics. There's a little be too interesting. much. The green team has a little too much real estate between the ears up there. See, I'm 50 I, years old. Because I'm telling I love you, it. on paper, that should not be a series. It should go maybe five games, and, and Philly should win it yeah. in five. But mm -hmm. if they matched up, would any of us seriously be surprised if that thing went six or seven games or Boston wound up winning it? I would just because the Celtics don't have the centers right now. Thompson's hurting. Rob's got the tariff toe. You don't even have a body that you can put in front of Embiid at this point. I could just – the headspace uh, issue is, is – I can't – I can't – that's changed this year, Sherrod. Are, are, so. are they still at square one when it comes to I the playoffs? I think the playoffs is a I think if it's you're the Celtics and you come out and still game one against Philly, oh, I think all of a sudden that for sale sign, it's no longer for sale. What they the ownership has already has returned. The owners yep. are back in the building. See, I've watched them all year, and their defense impresses me greatly. Oh, it's great. It's unbelievable. I Who mean, is they, their defensive coach, the Sixers? Not Gilliam. He's a the he's a first. Is did he pull a whole new bench or did he bring his normal bench? Doc's. I think Doc, Doc's got most of his normal guys. But, yeah. but the thing I about mean, Lou, Lou stayed gone. in L.A. But right, yeah, other than Lou after whatever, because Doc's not a defensive coach, really. Right? We've seen when Thibodeau left, we saw a drop off in the defense. Yeah, and right now under Brad Stevens, we saw Michael Shrewsbury, who was their defensive that guy, is... leave, and we've seen a drop off as well. So that if if I'm the Celtics, that's I mean again that's for the offseason. Oh, uh, right. you have Dave Yeager, you have Sam Cassell, you have Dan Burke. So he brought in some Sam big names when it came yeah. to that assistant yeah. staff there in Philly. Popeye Jones is on his bench. Popeye I, Jones. Mm -hmm. His kid's a hell of a hockey player. Is he? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. 
Wow. Oh, yeah. So who outcoaches who? Because Doc Doc would get killed by Brad. I don't even think it's a coaching game. thing. I just I just think Philly has great depth. They have shooting and their defenders. Bobby, did they the not last day. year? I mean, really, the Celtics well, Simmons did not was out. Them in five. If you remember, Simmons Ben was Simmons, out. Was Simmons was out. Simmons was out. You're right. You're right. So that was important. That's a guy right. who I think has guarded Tatum better than anyone in the NBA so far through their you're careers. Right. You're right. Uh, so I think the Celtics would just get suffocated by that defense, and it'd be a quick sweep. Uh, so they're not in a good position. There's still an outside chance that they could see the Bucks, but the Nets are playing the Cavs tomorrow, so that's probably out the window. Uh, so you're going to see the Nets or Bucks here, and or the Nets and Sixers here, and I think it's going to be the Nets. The only positive about seeing the Nets is that you can go small and just take the centers off the court altogether. Um, but the centers aren't very good. And so. Kyrie will have to play. No, granted, it will not be a packed house, but it will be a 25% or 30% Boston Garden. Kyrie has to show up for the well, playoffs. Here's the thing. Well, and Kyrie will show up. And Kyrie and he will really show up all season, yes, particularly yes. on the defensive end of the floor, which has been mind-blowing, yep. watching how he defends yes. now. It's if, if well, he did that. For, and you watch he him, did that for moments in Boston, which is what yeah. But he's been doing yeah. it pretty much all season. All his career, yeah, he's yeah, been yeah. really, really good defensively. And I thought I'd never say that about never him. Never say that. Yeah, but, and I mean, he, he, but he, he has been consistently always had the ability to be good. I just yes. think he's always yeah, yeah. So here are those numbers. Here are those numbers I was reading off. Lakers to not make the playoffs minus two thousand. If you want to, all right. No, plus 1,000. If they make the playoffs, minus 2,000. Celtics, minus 550. No playoffs, plus 400. Warriors is 160, 130. Grizzlies, 200, 250. So they think Grizzlies probably not getting through that playing tournament. And then the Spurs are a long shot to get into that tournament at 450. Uh, so, again, Vegas still loves the Celtics to get into the playoffs at the very least, and so do I when it comes to playing these teams on Tuesday. But then and you have them out in five, no sweep. matter who they play. Sweep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've had no heart. They're gutless all season. I say well, they're, they just, they're just playing amazing teams. I mean, you look at the 76ers and the Nets, those are teams that could win a championship this year. And, in fact, I've liked the Nets all year long. I think now that you look at the seeding, the Sixers probably have the best shot to get out of the East. They're going to see. I the pray Sixers. to God that the Sixers win. They're going to get the Wizards, Celtics, or Hornets round one. They're going to get the Hawks or Knicks Hawks round Knicks. two. Yeah, and they don't mm-hmm. even have to think about the Bucks or Nets until the East Finals, and that is a huge advantage. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's 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 a, it's a huge advantage, and it's it's a reminder of why the regular season matters, despite what some players might say it doesn't. It does. I mean, that that's why Brooklyn, that's why Philadelphia is in a position where, as you pointed out, Bobby, they have the most clear runway to get to the, to the NBA finals of any team in the Eastern conference. And that's the privilege of getting that top seed. That's the privilege that comes with being the best team throughout the regular season. And you, you go back and you look into a lot of those games that the Sixers played. They played with a, a great sense of urgency on a lot of nights. And the Celtics, not so much. Not that so doesn't much. mean you always win those games. But if you're not playing hard, then you're hardly playing. And if you're hardly playing, you're setting yourself up to get your ass whipped, which we've seen them do a lot of. A lot. I mean, I, I, I never had a season where, even in the really bad years, maybe 06, then. I could negate that, but I've never had a season where I've gone into games where they like, like, like Cleveland, like you were like 
this is a lock. They got to win this game. I didn't feel that way at all this year, like in the second half of the season about anybody. No team – like people would ask, you know, they do it all the time to you guys, I'm sure. Who do you who do you think – what do you think of the Celtics tonight? You you knew anybody they played in the past, they could compete because they, they had effort, heart, and passion, right? And they did the unlikely. This year, I've been like, dude, I don't know. Like, I really don't know. I don't think anyone knows. Brad well, when- doesn't know. When they Who's did when they did bad things this year, you were surprised, but you weren't shocked. I mean, when they lost to the Thunder, you weren't I'm shocked. I'm sorry, Bobby. Game two, you guys yelled at me because I said this team has no grit. I'll keep saying it. I'm going to pull that tape, and I'm not one to say I told you so. You guys minimized and made fun of me so bad until Washburn come out with that article. Well, that's I'm what drove me the craziest about-, about this year. They, they couldn't even lay a finger on the Nets, and that was the Nets team with that's no heart yeah, and they just news. got run off the court. Kyrie came back into the garden and lit them up. They were too cool for school. Like, man, and, it was like there was no big deal. Yeah, and time in and time out. They had an opportunity in the last game to just go against Kyrie. There was no Durant. There was no Harden. And they still – and Kyrie didn't even play well in that game. And they Christ. still got destroyed, which was so say, disappointing to me. I will Because they this, do Jack. match up well with that team, perimeter players, I, guards, all that. I released it as a short on the channel here on the YouTube channel, but God, Gary was on Celtics beat this past week. And I'll tell you what, you know, I'm a Danny guy. Like he does no wrong. You guys know that. And, but he really does give a good one minute on why, you know, Danny shares a lot of the blame in all this. And I'm not going to give it away. Just watch it. Washburn was electric on that show. He's had a couple. He's had a couple. Washburn has been a legend in the bubble too. He could write a book about the bubble. That guy. I'm excited Gary, for that. I if he respect does. Gary a hell of a lot. I like Gary when he has, has questions. He's had a great year. And this he is, always does. This is a you, you say it all the time, Nick. This is a very positive beat. He's been the guy really growing them this year. <laughs> and he did it last year too. And you know, you look at that, you don't want people to be trolling, but it's our job to ask difficult questions. We're not cheerleaders. So you he said this is actually this is actually a good plug. Celtics beat came out yesterday. I wrote a little article about the episode. Uh, the great episode. Wash, Washburn says, "Shake up the front office." Yeah, no more, no more, no, Ainge, no more Austin Ainge. No more. There goes the Mike leaks. Zarin. Where's everybody going to get their information if Zarin goes? Right? Oh. I mean, come on. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Wow. I'm joking, obviously. <laughs> the Zarin no, I mean, slander must cease. I'll agree or disagree, Sharon. Not that I like Saren. Saren a lot. That's my guy. But he's a stat geek. Well, it's the, so the, interesting the, because they have nailed the picks that have mattered. Tatum, mm-hmm. Brown, that stuff. But the middle ones, they have really missed on some recently. And they well, decided the middle, they decided as a team that we're going to build this roster on young players. After Kyrie left, after Al left, we're going to go cheaper. Gary had stuff to say about that, too. Gary was great, man. We're, he we're gonna go. this. We're going to go cheaper. We're going to go younger. So normally if you miss a draft pick, they're at the bottom of their roster, and you just say, whatever, let them figure it out. These guys were relied upon as backups. So every time someone got injured the last two years, these guys were coming in, Grant Williams, Romeo Langford, these type of guys filling those minutes, and it has not gone well. And that's where you do look at the decision makers here and say, if they, these are the guys you were going to lean on for your depth and they aren't ready for this league at all, that looks really bad on the decision makers here. It does. It does. And – you know, I, I, Gary, I don't think he's necessarily talking about how, you know, Danny needs to just kind of throw, a, you know, a, a grenade in, into the front office <laughs> and blow it all up. I think he's talking about they need to add. 
They need to yeah. add different voices to the mix. And he's right. Oh, no. He called them out by name, Sherrod. Mm-hmm. It was great. You got to watch this shit. I was he, like, Gary. Like, he, he said also, uh, He also advocated for Paul Pierce to join the front office. Yeah, I, I do, too. I advocate for that, too. Because you know what? Like, Paul, they that, that tough. First of all, we get great Instagram videos. <laughs> but that toughness, uh, Paul had it, you know. And he's got, he can relate to the players. They're going to listen to him a little bit, you know. That was his point. Uh, I wanted to. I, I I interrupted Sherrod. I wanted to hear what he had. No, you're good. Me. Yeah, you because you. It, but he did name names. You got to listen to that. I couldn't believe it. It was. That's it was. Uh, speaking of Paul. Speaking of Paul Pierce, I do want to give you guys this before we head over to locker room, and I guess I might as well plug locker room John style real quick here. John download style. it. Download it on Apple. It is on Android is as on well Android. now, Nick. So yes, everyone can join us. I've actually can, jumped on, on both Android and Apple before. Is it glitch, just, which is glitchier? I think the Android is a little bit glitchier. Yeah. Um, the issue I had with Android is like I couldn't join the chat on Android. Like I couldn't like the people are are saying stuff. I couldn't like respond or, or say anything in the comment section on Android. Uh you know what? That's been happening on on iOS too. Sure. Okay. Yeah, okay. as a matter of fact, the last time I hosted it for you guys, the entire screen went white and the channel just closed. And we had like 180 people in there. I was like, son of a bitch, you know, but it just shut down. You were on that one. It was me, you, and Jimmy, I think, or me, you, and Joe, you, you me, and yeah. Joe Sway, maybe. Where is Joe Sway tonight? Enjoying this Saturday, 70 degrees. I, I went and got some stuff done early this afternoon. So I, I went on fun. a long walk. I exercised Bobby today. Wow. Yeah, I went and I watched people play basketball in the park over here. I watched them. <laughs> we gotta uh, hear about we gotta hear about Nick's former basketball game in uh on locker room. But also if you wanna pick at who you wanna see Wizards Hornets, you wanna hit on this next topic we're about to get into KG. before we wrap this up. Kevin Garnett mm. going into the Hall of Fame today. Mm-mm-mm. Said in his press conference he wishes he came to Boston sooner. And he said stuff like this before, mm-hmm. but I always wondered, is Garnett going to make his Timberwolves experience more central to his Hall of Fame entry, or is it gonna, he's going to go in as a Celtic? And it's pretty clear, especially yep. especially with some of the ownership beef that he's had with Minnesota in recent yep. years. He did think, be, what's his name, though? He's going to be remembered as a Celtic. Mm-hmm. Well, well, he loved Flip. He loved Flip Saunders, but... Um, yeah. Again, I still think slap to the face almost a little bit to have A Rod owning that team now over Kevin Garnett. Which what did Magic say to him? Magic had a. Uh, I just saw the headline. I'm not going to be one of those guys who's like giving the news based on headlines, but I guess Magic had words for A Rod owning I the NBA team. I'll have to look it up. It just come across my. I didn't. No, click. I usually don't click it. Yeah, the the point that Bobby was making though, it, it for KG, it's just like yeah. seriously. Yeah. I've been trying to own this damn team forever and a day, and now you want to sell it? Why wow. is that? That they 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 just don't, and then they want they haven't retired his number yet. I mean, like, why is there such beef there? It, I I don't I don't get it because I mean he's the most iconic player your ever organization so, has yeah. ever had. Uh, he is far and away the best thing that could have ever happened to your organization, and you would think that they would treat him with a little bit more respect and a, a little, little bit more admiration and adulation than they do. And if I'm Kevin Garnett and and I'm absolutely flipping in the middle finger as I go into the Hall of Fame. Uh, well, they've he, earned that. 
he wanted to be around that team shortly yeah. after his career ended. He obviously played his last seasons there, and then something had to happen. Besides what we know, basically. I well, something say. just stinks there. I know we something opened the show. Stinks. I know we opened the show talking about it, but just how Towns' early career is gone, mm-hmm. the fact that they've been one of the worst teams in the league with that kind of talent, adding Russell mm-hmm. within the last year, they still just continue to flounder at the bottom, and they're going to get another top pick this year. So you're going to have Towns. You're going to have Russell, you're going to have Edwards, and then another, uh, you know, unless that pick ends up going to Golden State, if they fall out of that top four, they're going to have another top-end talent coming in here. So the fact that Garnett was in position out there to be a mentor to some of these young guys, Towns especially, and now they've just cast him away, it's terrible look, and it doesn't, doesn't give the fan base sense. much hope, I would think. It, it doesn't make sense. No, it really it really doesn't. Um I'm curious to see what efforts, if any, are the Celtics trying to make to get KG in the mix here. Um, I oh, would, I'm I mean, sure they I would, are. I don't know what specifically they want to do, but I would basically say, Kevin, tell me what the hell you want to do with us, and Name we're going to do that. And we'll um, give you equity. He, <laughs> exactly. How much yes. do we need to break off for you ownership-wise to make you feel good? How good much God, influence do it? Right. Could you How see them doing that? Do you need to have inside the locker room, on the bench, in the front office. Do you want? Because he's yes, that Sean. good. He's that he's a, big a difference maker. You know it, Sherrod. He enters the building. He could not. You could not even be in the same part of the arena as him. But you know he's there. It's like yeah. Larry Bird when Bird yeah. would come back once in a, every ten years. You'd know he was there. KG. Would they do it? Bobby, I, I think they would, but I don't know. I mean, like you think Wick is is only owns a fraction of that of that team, really, when you look at it. He's a majority owner, but there's a million owners, I would say. Right? There's right. a bunch of owners. There's an ownership group. So they would have to come to a consensus. But why not? Your your stock is gonna go up immediately if you bring Kevin Garnett. He's an asset. He's a line item on ESPN social media marketing expenses. They just if he's that powerful with with his words, what he says, he's a game. And if king. you're right, and if you're a free agent, and and let's say the Celtics aren't offering you oh. top dollar compared to some other teams, but you know that Kevin Garnett is part is that, of that organization. Well, that's that's key too because then he doesn't have to be in Boston all year long, like right. if he was an a, yep. assistant coach or something. Or being a consultant, can, be a consultant. Yep. That's the yep. best job because that that means you can be it. You can be as hands on as you want to be. But everyone will know that you have a role, that you have a place with the organization. Yep. And no that's brainer. what you want. So I will that, say that, yeah, I will say, excuse me one second, I will say this, and I don't feel bad saying it with you guys. I don't know if Jimmy and John were on, I get killed. But the Lakers, the Lakers have done a good job of keeping their alumni involved in, in, in the, the team, right? And you see it. There's a lot of camaraderie there. And I think that's a product of the fact that the Lakers legends are like Bird and Max and McHale's age, right? But the Celtics are all dying because they're 50s and 60s, 1950s, 1960s. I think nothing would be better for this franchise than to bring back guys like Pierce, Perk, KG. I'm not saying bring them back and like you know make Ray it all Allen. about them. Ray Allen would be a problem. Have you looked at – I'll refrain – that would be a problem. Uh, yeah. Have you, do you follow him on Instagram, Shred? Uh I used to. Okay, so you know. So anyway, uh, his stories are like, um, But anyway, back to what I was saying, I wouldn't want them to be on posters in a showcase, but I think that mentality is what – if Brad could get someone in, some people in there with that mentality, it's fixed because it's an intangible problem. 
right? We know there's a talent problem, but still they should have been way better than they were this year, given the talent they do have on the, the, the starting side of the roster. So, yeah. you know, mentality is intangible. You can't teach it. You, it's got to be a culture. And even though is, I'm told there's no such thing as culture. Well, this is what I gauge. And even just listening to Tatum on that podcast yesterday and listening to him and Brown all year, the, you open the show talking about selfishness. I don't sense it from them. I really don't. Well, especially when I hear Tatum talk, I hear a desire to learn, to grow, wow, I hear to figure totally this out. Different. Really? Because like, I hear I, 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 I from Tatum. I think Brown is more of a we, 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 we. I hear Tatum just, it's always nice to hear people talk like that about me, right? There's not a much of the us and the we, you know, and it doesn't mean I'm right. It's just my observation, Bobby. No, You're looking it, at it differently. No, no. Like I, I hear that, but I hear it coming from a place of I got to get better to figure this out. I got to work on my passing. I got to do this. I got to do that. It's a it's a mentality that he can figure this out, which is honestly how he's played this year. Like, I'm just going to do a ton of stuff to try to fix this, and it hasn't worked. And that's what but he's going to have to learn is that you got to empower the others around you, and you got to make that's people better right. around you. you got to make people confident. That's yep. Right. And that's where he has fallen short this year, to be yeah. honest with you. The, the inability to empower, strengthen, uplift, Make yep. the guys around him better. He doesn't do that enough. Yep. And that, to me, is, is what's going to take him to that next level, not only as a player, but as a leader. Uh, mm-hmm. Tatum is – the talent with this dude is unquestioned. There's absolutely no – when you start looking at just the mile markers that mm-hmm. he's hitting as a Celtic, I mean, you know, he's oh my the first to do this, that, and the other, damn near every other month of the season. He's the first Celtic to do some – awesome amazing scoring feet or or shooting feet or something like that he's been that incredible as an individual player but when he makes that leap to making guys better that's when he becomes a superstar and he's not there yet and i think he will get there but i don't have a feel for whether that's going to be quick or not and when you talk about jalen jalen is a grinder i mean yes, you look at just the way he's one of the unusually high draft picks who is frankly his his DNA is more about the grind than the glory, yep. uh, and that's again I think that I is such that. A, an amazing quality for someone so young in the game who is very accomplished. When you talk about being an all star, you talk about you know conference finals three out of four years. That is the kind of stuff that if you are talking about building your core. You want that as a big chunk of your core. Now, is he should he be the face of the franchise? Probably not, because his grind is hard, and the grind of those around him not even close. But they need to take a little bit of Jalen and inject that into their system, because he is what you want for the role players, for the bench guys, for the guys who the for the Luke Cornets who are the fifteenth man one day starting the next. You want to be like Jalen, and that is take advantage of your opportunities and play hard play with a grind. Jalen does not play with an edge. He plays with a grind, and there is a difference. I think mm-hmm. about our conversation with Max about mm-hmm. just, you know, he he's yes. not getting in anyone's face like that. That's not what he does. But I do think at some point you need to get someone in the building who does. You need a Kendrick Perkins type. You need a Ben Wallace type. Someone I thought who, Thompson was going to be that. Right. You need someone that has a physical presence about them that if things start getting a little squirrely in the game, you got that one guy that is going to regulate. And it shouldn't be Marcus Smart. Uh, Marcus does, he does, I think, as good a job as you can expect from a point guard slash shooting guard. 
Uh, role but players you need, position, right? Yeah, but you 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 need someone where that toughness is part of their strong DNA. Like when you talk about Kendrick Perkins, you don't think about scoring. You don't right. think about rebounding. You think about toughness and defense. Yep. That's what he does, and he did that at a, at a fairly high level when he was in the league. You Pete, need to have guys with that type of ilk about them on your roster, and they don't have that now. Yeah, and I mean, it's the same story over and over and over, right? We keep saying it, the same exact thing. That is exactly what it is. I mean, they need a Draymond Green. They don't need him, but they need a tough guy. They need a bastard. They need a – they need a, a a Marcus Smart, but maybe Marcus has run his course a little. I I don't know, but they they do. They need that toughness, and I don't know if Tatum or Brown ever have it. I think Brown more has it in his DNA than Tatum does. I just mm-hmm. happen to like Tatum is a finesse player. I love Tatum's game. I don't love his mentality, you know. But I'm a, I am I am a Tatum guy. Like I would trade Brown over over Tatum probably. For Beal, if that was, I sound like Goodman, but really, like if it was that. And then the other thing about Goodman is, Bobby, to your, not to your point, but against your point is early on, I don't know who the player was. I think it was an Atlanta Hawk because we were right around the Hawks. And that anonymous NBA player told Goodman, uh, no one in the league fears those guys because they don't make their teammates better. Hmm. Remember? Yeah, no, I know. It was a I'd never seen anybody, and I'll steal this from Max. I'd never seen anybody score more hollow points than Tatum, and dole out more hollow assists. Like at the end of the game, when I walk, look at the box score, and I see he had six, seven assists, I'm like, where, when, when did that happen? You know, because he's just—I don't know. I don't know how else to say it. They're just points that just happen, but don't make impact unless they're sixty and you're coming back from forty down. Right? Yeah. Well, Bobby, are you blanking on me? Well, he has the defense to raise the team's level as well, and I do think one day he's going to have the passing that will raise this team's level. I'm actually working on a video right now breaking down his playmaking from the season. It has to get better because they've empowered him. They've put the ball in his hands to the degree that he's going to have to make teammates better. He's going to have to empower others, and ultimately as – more people end up leaving this team in coming years and he gets an even greater share of responsibility. There's going to be more young players around him and growing young players in terms of their roles like Pritchard and Neesmith, who he's going to have to connect with. And honestly, it's amazing that, well, Pritchard can do it because he can dribble and he can get his own. But Neesmith this year, Neesmith needed a guy to get him the ball. Grant needed a guy to get him a ball in good positions. The tricky balance you're looking at with players like that is, are those guys good enough? to take advantage of Tatum or whoever's playmaking or do Tatum and those types need to get them more involved and better looks. I think it's obviously both things. Right. But that's where, that's where the the criticism of Danny come into play because Tatum needs better talent around him. Who's Tatum elevate better, you know, Rob, Brown and Kemba aren't exactly who you want well, doing no. a ton off the ball. But, but. Tatum had to get to so much defensive attention that people should be getting easy shots. Yes. Come on. Right. And 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 that's part that's part of the problem. I mean, there's that that front that top tier talent around guys like like Jalen, Kemba. They're gonna be all right, whatever Tatum does. They're because they're they're pros, they can figure it out. I'm talking about mm-hmm. elevating the play of those end of the bench guys who are going to have moments where you're going to need them to deliver. 
They need to be confident that they can do that. I don't think it was a coincidence that Jimmy Butler was pumping up Tyler Hero all season long, and it wasn't until the games truly mattered in the playoffs mm-hmm. where Tyler Hero was a different kind of player. He, he played with the kind of confidence that you're not going to get on your own. You're going to get that by someone infusing that in you who has that type of confidence in themselves, and thus they have that in you. Tatum, I don't think, does that. He has tremendous confidence in himself, and he should. He's that damn good. I don't – if I'm Grant Williams, if I'm, you know, Carson Edwards, he's not really making me feel that he's that confident in me. He's confident in me because we're on the same team, and he has to to play that role. But is he really going out of his way to give me opportunities to not just take shots and make plays, but actually encouraging me? to take shots, encouraging me to make plays, doing those type of things that you've got to do when you got young boys, young guys who don't play with the kind of confidence that they should. I mean, you know, I, I remember I, at one point before Neesmith started going off, Jalen talked about how, you know, he's telling Neesmith, yes. you know, just play hard. And that was the first and only time first I heard team. anyone on this team say that they talked to Neesmith about Anyone, wait a minute. Wait a minute. And this was before he started playing steady minutes. This was before he – it was like he had one game and then he was like DMP or limited for like maybe two or three games after that. But Jalen made a point of telling the young fellow to play hard. And it may not seem like that big a deal, but when you look at how Neesmith has grown over the course of the season, you start trying to – you start looking at the tea leaves, and that's a big fat one. They need more of that. I'm, they need more of that. I'm, I agree 100%. I think that's that's a – and you know what? You haven't heard them as a team talk about their teammates in an encouraging fashion very much no. at all, period. And I really think – and this will be my – I'll head over to the locker room, let you guys finish. But I have two things. First one is I I think that – and I know I've been saying this all year, but I think that, that fans are going to make a huge difference next year. I think that no restrictions on the road are going to make a huge impact next year. And I think, and when I say that, I mean, you have no practice and you can't leave your hotel room. How do you get to know your teammates? Like you hear these stories about players that would, you know, have different type activities when they weren't playing. Right. And you don't see that now and you can't blame them for that. They're not allowed to do it. So I think next year, and that would be why, and I know that you're going to fall over, Bobby, but that would be why I, I would most definitely give everyone a mulligan this year for the most part, you know. I think um, you the have coaching to. staff needs some some alterations for sure, and I think Brad would acknowledge that even. But Brad Stevens, uh, as much as I've been frustrated with him in the past, I mean, he deserves a mulligan this year. This year has been so fucked up. I mean, like, for us it has been. Imagine them. Well, if you look back at 2020, I was just thinking about this yesterday. Couldn't you have imagined everything falling apart after 2019 with what they lost, exactly. with what they that went through? Toughness. But then they, but then they bounced back in 2020, and they had a fantastic yep. season. They made the that's East toughness. Finals. They were healthier, and that's the same cast. It was Brown. It was Tatum. It was Brad. Hayward most importantly, didn't change that. thank you. They had Hayward t- did not change that. During the yeah. regular season, he did. He helped them get where they ultimately got with I the seeding and everything else. But, I think inadvertently he caused more drama than it. Not purposely, but I think there was – Well, yeah, was just because of what he went through. through. Yeah. Well, what he no, went through and, and the process of bringing him back into the fold, yes. which came at the expense of guys like Marcus Morris. Oh, and 
Jalen right. Brown or Jalen Brown. And they're, you know, those guys are practicing with him. And let's be honest, Gordon wasn't a hundred percent. And so they're probably kicking his ass pretty regularly in practice. And so if you're doing that and then you're That's like, a really good point, he's playing really 25 minutes point. and I'm playing 20. That's a really work? good point. And so, and, and again, it's no, it's not Gordon's fault. I mean, it, in yeah. fact, the, the plan, it made sense. The only way he was going to get back was you had to put him out there playing minutes and just ramping him up slowly, but surely. But the, the, Frankly, the collateral damage that that causes is it makes guys who are in a better position to play and help you have to take a step back and have to sacrifice. And there's only so much sacrifice that ballers in the NBA are willing to take. Uh, and I get it. I mean, I, I I put it like this. If I were the Celtics, I would have probably done it the same way. I would have ratcheted up Gordon's minutes slowly but surely. Wouldn't have played Marcus Morris as many minutes as he probably deserved. Same thing with Jalen. Hmm? He started him, remember? Brad to started begin the, to begin the year, and then he got bad. It was a big ground. mistake. That's where it started. That's where the yeah. pitching started. Yeah, that and was. It, yeah, at guys the same time, about that, and it, it wasn't that they were they weren't happy with Gordon. They liked Gordon. They just didn't like the Brad. fact that we are being told not to. We're not starting, or we're not playing major minutes over a guy who shouldn't be. If and you bring him off the bench, the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, I mean, it, it would have made so much more sense if you're trying to bring him along gradually to do that coming off the bench. That was a no-win scenario because do you do you completely tarn or destroy Hayward's um, confidence development of his confidence? So it was right. a no-win scenario because yeah. you, you have this team that has all these young players. Like truly, who would have thought they would have got to the Eastern Game Seven of the one quarter away? from the finals right. without Kyrie and Hay Hayward. And maybe right. to our detriment in the end. I don't know. I was, because, you know, it's so crazy about thing, that. Bobby, before you react, because then I'm going to let you guys go. But what you just said, Bobby, is the same roster. And what they did from 19's disaster to 20 coming back through COVID, through the bubble, that was mental toughness and effort. I sound like Sherrod, but it was. And I remember going into that Sixers series going, they're not mentally tough. Remember me saying that over and over and over, Bobby? They're not tough enough. Not, not in the brain. The Celtics are. The Sixers are not. And the mm -hmm. Celtics coming. So the point is something happened between the that, that Miami fight that Washburn covered, right, then in the bubble, the one with Smart screaming and yelling to opening night because I don't think they've been the same since that game. Mm. Right, and I'm speculating. You know, okay, I'm gonna get out of here, guys. But I do. If this is my last appearance of the season, thanks to everybody. <laughs> this was a lot of fun, and uh, I, as a spectator, have never been more um, entertained by a post game show more than a game. There were a multitude of games I didn't watch, guys. But I tuned into the post game show, so <laughs> kick ass, and the, the listeners too, and the viewers and the chatters. Thank you. I'll, I'll see hey, you in locker room. Go talk to Nick on locker room. He's yeah, gonna get it fired up. And... Yeah, I'll, I'll 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 bitch or something. I'll make it entertaining. Thanks, guys. <laughs> He's gonna start letting some people in over there. Yeah. Uh, today's KG day, Sherrod. So I want to keep that conversation going. Obviously, we'll hit more on who they're gonna play on Tuesday and that kind of stuff tomorrow. KG. I was listening to the radio. I was listening to Grandy. I was listening to Max. And what mm. I found, so I, I wasn't obviously covering the team back then. I was, let's see, 10 years old when KG arrived in Boston. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't fully, I wasn't a full. You didn't have your media lesson. credential then, Bobby. I did not. I was no Shams starting that at 12 or whatever he did. Uh, <laughs> I found the craziest thing about that time. They've obviously done a documentary and this and that about that era. People didn't, weren't necessarily sure if they wanted Garnett. You had Tommy Heinsohn saying that if Al Jefferson was traded, he was going to quit. You had Max feeling a similar way. And quite a few people in the city, it seems like, weren't sure if they want to trade Al Jefferson for Garnett, which seems crazy to me. Now, I remember Jefferson, especially once he got to Charlotte, and I had probably the best season of his career in Charlotte, probably the last best post-play season that we've seen in the NBA before it officially died. Um, so Jefferson was a great player, and he ended up having a great career. But when you think about what KG brought to Boston, the fact that that was even a conversation is crazy to think about now. I, I just I, – whenever I heard anyone say that, you know, maybe we should keep Mr. Jefferson and not pursue. I, I just immediately, it became white noise in my ears because it just, I wasn't trying to hear that. It made absolutely no sense in the world to me. Kevin Garnett at that point in his career was a transformative player that, I, I mean, I, I have in my own head that there are certain NBA players that fall into what I would call the five tool talent category guys who can score rebound, defend, pass, and make their teammates better. Kevin Garnett was at the top tier in all those categories, year after year after year after year. And when you have a chance to add a player with that multifaceted of skill sets to your organization, we're not even talking about the culture dynamic that he brings to the table. We're talking about just the sheer on-the-floor impact. It is a no-brainer every single day and and again i i al and that's no shade on al jefferson who was a had a very good solid nba career but he wasn't changing the game the way kevin garnett was he wasn't elevating the play of not just those players around him but the community around him you think about his impact off the court in minneapolis uh which was great you think about his impact in boston Boston, freaking Boston, was just as great. That, to me, all the, you add all that up, and you have a player that if you don't pull the trigger on getting him, you're going to spend the rest of your life playing the what-if game. And I give Danny Ainge a lot of credit because they it wasn't as if they didn't give up much. They gave a, a, a bunch of players, good players. Uh, I, was pl- I was surprised that Minneapolis didn't want Rondo or that they didn't push as hard to have Rondo included among those players. Because to me, he was the one guy that had a certain skill set that could potentially be transformational for your organization. He couldn't score as well as some of those other guys that were included in the deal, but he was a hell of a better passer, amazing court vision. And the fact that Danny Ainge was able to keep him out of that deal, to me, there's getting KG is is the one a top tier victory. Right behind that was keeping Rondo out of the deal. Huge, yeah. You kept a starting lineup intact. Frankly, when you think about Perkins, even as a prospect back right. then, having him down the middle was so important. After you lose Jefferson, and then you get a facilitator bringing it all together in Rondo, and those two guys were very young back then, which. Mm-hmm. 
them fitting in with those veterans the way that they did ended up becoming all the more important once they got into the playoffs and everything else. What they were able to do with no playoff experience uh, was very impressive, especially, I mean, like, you know, Allen hadn't had a deep run either. Garnett had only been out of the first round once. The fact that they were able to put it together the way they did first year with some tough opponents in front of them, Atlanta mm-hmm. giving them hell, Detroit, it was a tough path to that finals. And then even the Lakers, Lakers were favorites in that championship coming into it. Uh, so it was it was hard for that group from day one. But I love what you say about not giving up Rondo, not giving up uh, Perkins or some of the other pieces that they had at that time as they possibly could. And it looks like they ultimately did get a steal there was what they gave up in retrospect. Jefferson got hurt. That probably could have gone a little bit better for Minnesota if he was healthy. Yeah. But it makes me think of now because there's this talk of Brown for Beal. There's this talk of what you can get for Brown breaking up that core. A trade like this is why I say you figure out a different way to do it. Seven first. I know people laugh when I say that, but Rob, I know they don't have great pieces right now, but ultimately if you can even get a nice prospect in this year's draft and continue to build Neesmith and Pritchard and some of these other guys up, Maybe that gets you to a package one day where you can ultimately add a third piece to Tatum and Brown, especially as Kemba eventually walks out of here in the next two years. It's going to be tempting to try to do that now and try to speed it up, but I think you just kind of have to be patient and wait for this to manifest into a position where you can make that Garnett-style move. Now, the Garnett-style move is Anthony Davis because you look at what Davis brings to the game, to the table, and what he did in L.A. year one, that's Kevin Garnett. There's not going to be another Kevin Garnett anytime soon or even an Anthony Davis anytime soon. So that makes the Kyrie era an even bigger second guess because ultimately you wanted Davis here in Boston. Um, but a Beal, I know you've talked about Towns, those kind of guys, they could serve as a legitimate big three there with them. Well, here's here's my concern about Bill, and and really th- this it's a recent concern just because as as Washington was making its run, there you were seeing more and more interviews and conversations with Bill and and Westbrook about their chemistry and and things like that. And I was listening to Bill talk about just the balancing act that him and Westbrook have, and how Westbrook is kind of like the fiery fire guy, and I'm just kind of cool, mellow, Mister Ice. And then it got me thinking. The Celtics already have a really good player who's Mr. Cool, Mr. Mellow, Mr. Ice. His name's Jason Tatum. To have two guys who are kind of in that cool mode and not have a legitimate fire-breathing hellraiser, the KG types of the world, the Jimmy Butlers of the world, guys who are – their intensity and their anger are, are all wrapped up into this amazing body of work that helps you win games. That's what you're looking for. And that's why the more I think about Bill and Tatum, the less I like that as a combination, particularly if it comes at the expense of a Jalen Brown, which I just I think Jalen has done enough to where they're not going to push to move him. His contract is really one of the better contracts when you talk about all star players on this on their second contract. Uh, and and he's a guy that has shown the ability to get better every single year he's been in the NBA. Guys like that aren't traded unless you're getting a top five. And he's twenty. And he's twenty four, which is right. so key too. You mentioned the personality type that needs to join them. I almost look at it as a position. Do you need a big man, a larger than life force? Because that's ultimately Garnett. His size, his 
impact on the defensive floor because of that size is what transformed the team overnight. Davis, same deal going to LA, just a seven footer who can move and do a bunch of different things for you while also anchoring your defense still seems critical to this day. Now, obviously it's a different type of big in today's game, but we talked about this a couple shows ago, the best players in the NBA right now, even though it's become more of a perimeter oriented league are Nikola Jokic, uh, Joel Embiid, and then somewhere up there as well, Anthony Davis. Davis was the guy who drove the championship last year for LA. I know LeBron's LeBron, but Davis in many ways was the most valuable player on that team to me. Now, you look around the league and there aren't many left. I guess Towns could possibly become something like that one day, but we've seen him in the league for so many years at this point that you wonder what the ceiling ultimately is there. Um, but I almost wonder if you do, like I'm not saying you need a Shaq, you need a big man, you need a centerpiece big on your team. But I wonder if you almost need someone with great size who can be an overwhelming force on the league because of that size, no matter what they're doing position-wise. Because Durant's almost that way too. Like He brings perimeter skills to the game, but at the end of the day, he's a seven-footer, and that brings his impact to that next level. So when you're talking about who you can add to the Celtics, yeah, it's nice if you could get Beal and have three brilliant perimeter players but if you don't have that overwhelming size impact player that seems to be what delivers a championship well it's it's certainly what is positioning you at a minimum to, yeah. to do that when you look at milwaukee and the success they have in a regular season Giannis has a lot to do with it they have a you know basically 610 hybrid guy that can jump out the gym can do everything but knock down threes. And he's starting to do that this year, which is kind of scary for the rest of the league. But you're right. I mean, having a versatile big who can both be an inside and perimeter threat, uh, that is ideally what you want. But I still think that if you don't have a guy that has those specific skills um, and are, is a tough guy, get someone who can do a little bit of those things and add someone whose who's DNA is about toughness. And I've, I've mentioned his name before just because I think what this team could use on the floor he could provide, and that's P.J. Tucker in Milwaukee. Um, P.J. is an older player, so you don't have necessarily those concerns about him you know, playing for numbers. He's one of the few guys that is a, a gritty guy who you feel pretty confident is about winning. You feel pretty confident that he's looking to be in situations where he can help you win and not necessarily rack up big numbers and big stats in the process. They need those type of players. Uh, I When I think about Tatum, who is a very talented, but much more of a finesse guy than force guy, you've got to have something to balance that out. And and again, I think you, you, do, you do benefit from having a physical guy who can play both inside and out. But at the end of the day, you need toughness. And, and it, it can be in your small forward. It can be in your center. But you need to have guys where tough, making tough plays and, and handling tough situations is part of their narrative. And they just don't have guys like that right now. So I was going to keep this conversation going, Sherrod. But if you turn on your TV right now, Kevin Garnett is about to make his Hall of Fame speech. So we're going to hop on Locker Room. We're going to listen to that live as it happens. And uh, we're going to talk with all of you. Questions you have, uh, takes you have as the season starts to wind down. We have the Hornets and Wizards tomorrow. That's going to be the game you want to keep an eye on. You obviously want to watch Celtics-Knicks and join us after that here. I think it's a 1 o'clock tip tomorrow. Or is it 3 o'clock? Tomorrow, I believe, is 1. All right, so we'll have Prediction another. I believe it's 1. We'll have another afternoon show here, but Garnett is about to enter the Hall of Fame, which is crazy to think about. 
Uh, his, his career wrapped up a few years ago, and yep. this obviously got delayed from last year. Kobe going in today as well. Mike Green and his bang is going My into the guy. Hall of Fame. Uh, who guy. else? Who else is going in today? Is that it? Uh, we've got no. We've got a coach. Last name is Stevens from Bentley College, uh, who's going into the Hall of Fame in as math, well. right? Yeah, I think. Uh, I think she's from Bentley. Yeah, I think she coached the Bentley team. Yeah, but there's a yeah. There's a uh, those are the uh, Barbara Stevens, I believe is her name. Yeah, Barbara mm-hmm. Stevens from Bentley. Yeah, um, yeah. Kevin's talking right now, so I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna jump into locker room now. All right, we will see you over there. We will see you tomorrow, and then on Tuesday for the playing game, which will be decided tomorrow as well. Here we see go. See you soon, everyone. I'll see you.